like T-ball pretty soon. Hutchin and a ground ball to third, breaking for the plate, the throw, and they got him. No, he called him safe. He called him safe. Unbelievable. That is remarkable. That is unbelievable. The throw beat him by a mile. Live. Did he get him? Oh, he took him. In the entertainment capital of the world. It isn't. The runner goes halfway. Oh. Somebody thought it was on. His Torres had to scoop it in. Doesn't get it. And Ty Wigginton, oh, he may he bumped him and he's gone. It's the T.C. Martin Show. And Wigginton is furious. Diagnosis. The 3-2 pitch. Prognosis. Outside ball for Cross strike three. Osmosis. Cross strike three. I didn't think that Marty Foster was going to ring it up. The doctor, T.C. Martin. No, goodness gracious. No, no, no. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. The doctor is now in. Get your money's worth. Get your money's worth. Oh, yeah. Every Monday through Friday, right here, 2 to 4 p.m. T.C. Martin, ballpark, Frank in the house. Numchuck on the other side of the glass. Pack show again today. We got a lot covered today. Major League Baseball, another no-no. It's getting to be a daily thing. Wasn't there just one yesterday? Didn't we talk to Chris Bosio? Back-to-back days. Wow. When was the last time that happened? I don't know, but I know the only pitcher to ever throw back-to-back no-hitters. Johnny Vandermeer. Johnny Vandermeer. Nice. Nice. How about the no-no? Well, you know this because we've talked about this. It's a great trivia question. The no-no in a home run in the same game. Well, I know Rick Weiss threw a no-hitter and had two home runs in that game. There you game. go. Right, there you go. Rick With Weiss. the Phillies. Exactly. Rick Weiss, who was also the person that was traded for Steve Carlton. Mm-hmm. Very good. That's some good knowledge there. Right there. All right. All right, I'm done. Thank you. Mic drop. Thank I'm you very little. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of the show. Have a Coke <laughs> and a smile. Oh, you already do that. Well, minus the smile. Well, smile is <laughs> for losers. Play in tourney. What a game last night. We'll talk to the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, the five-time NBA champ. Oh, I need something in my eyes. Oh, I want a flagrant. Uh, Exactly. I got a feeling it's going to get heated today. It's going to get heated. And anybody that's thinking that LeBron James won the game and he was outstanding, stop it right now. Seven for 17 from the floor last night. At one point in time, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Dennis Schrader were two for 22. Two for 22 for your big three. And it's funny, we're seeing the CGs on the screen now calling them the big three. Dennis Schroeder, when did he become a big anything? He's part of the big three? Are you kidding me? That's how they label that. The big three was two for 22 at you know, one point during the, the fourth quarter last night. I wonder what Chris Bosch thinks about that. Since yeah. when he was down in Miami, they called it the big two and a half. Right. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, uh, very good game. Very entertaining game. I was all in. Watched it. Loved it. Warriors built a 13-point halftime lead. Uh, we're cruising. And then all of a sudden... <laughs> Lakers, I guess, woke up a little bit. Uh, Warriors went into disappearing mode except for Steph Curry. Turnovers. Too many turnovers. It was the Golden State Bakery. The turnover special. Way too many of them. I know a lot of good bakeries down the Bay Area, (laughs) so that's that's good. And Plus, I didn't get a chance to eat today, so don't do this to me. I'm very hungry right now. Are you hangry? I'm hangry. I'm getting there. It will be by the time the seven-footers on here Ex- talking about the game. Exactly. Well, then I'm going to stoke the fire a little bit more. Of course you will. All right. So uh, we've got play and tourney. we got the no-no. VGK Minnesota tonight. We'll talk about that. Remember, 6.30 face-off. Nazem Kadri with a cheap hit in the Avalanche game. Mm-hmm. Going to get a suspension. Mm-hmm. How long will it be? Mm-hmm. All right. How long will it be? All right. So we got all of that. Scott Spritzer joins us today. We'll talk with him. Uh, we'll in- include Scott in the VGK talk coming up next hour as well, too. And then from a betting perspective, uh, line has really changed here just within the last six or eight hours. Golden Knights, a favorite. Not no more. All the money coming in on the home team here. The Wild, minus 110 right now. I, I know it's fluctuating You leaning that way a little bit? You leaning that way a little? To the Wild? Wild? Yeah. No. Not at all? 
Not really. Hmm? I, I, I'm so curious. I, I want to see how Talbot comes out tonight. Because yeah. everyone, and again, we talked about it yesterday, but everybody's talking about, oh, Vegas, you know, Cam Talbot's played great. And he did for the first four and a half periods of this series. The last three goals in this series have been against Minnesota. Cam Talbot, the Jonathan Marshall show goal, he should not have given up. The two from Alex Tuck, they were right in front of the net. I get those. But, again, Minnesota was also doing a great job of keeping him and everybody away from being in front of the net. I think Vegas right now is playing with confidence. And I know people talk about how bad Vegas plays in Minnesota. The last two games in Minnesota, remember, Vegas won the last one. And the one before that, they had that five goals in it. Then they completely collapsed, and they let Minnesota come back and win 6-5. But for the most part, Vegas outplayed them that entire game. The last two games in Minnesota, Vegas has actually played well, and they have the last three goals. Oh, they've only got three goals in six periods, six periods plus. You could also say that they've got three goals in the last period and a half. They've, I think they finally figured something out. I still don't think we're going to see Nosek and Pacioretty. When uh, Pete DeBoer was asked about him, he said game time decision, even though they won't even confirm that they've actually made the trip. So as far as we know, they're still here in Vegas. If they're a game-time decision but they're on their back porch in Vegas right now, I think the game-time decision is no. Yeah. But, again, they don't tell you anything because they don't have to. But I really think this team is playing confident. And if you're the Minnesota Wild, they haven't figured out Marc-Andre Fleury at well. As good as Robin Leonard is, the majority of games that Minnesota won this year was against Robin Leonard. Marc-Andre Fleury is playing at a whole different level right now. So my response to that is you bring up a lot of valid points, but I think really it's all this. You can throw everything that that happened in Minnesota going back a month or so ago. We can throw all of that out. And really we've seen game to game here. I think both of these teams are are capable of winning the series. Oh, they are. And look how it flipped. With, with game one, how the Golden Knights, you know, outshot uh, the Wild 20-5 to five in the first period. And then, then Minnesota turned it up a little bit. And we, it's been a game of swings. And, and, and in game two, Minnesota outshot them 16-7. There, exact, so there's definitely that's flips my point. and ebbs and flows. That's I agree my, that, with that's you. That's my point. So it's like, you know, I don't, anybody that thinks that they can figure this series out, it's, it, it, it's a crapshoot. And really, when we're talking about betting, and that's why you see the line where you see it. You see a lot of good two-way action here. And when you see a line that's minus one, to, it's a pick em. It's virtually a oh, pick Oh, it absolutely is. And, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Minnesota comes up big. And you're right about everything you're saying about, about Talbot. Uh, we have seen those Flurry games, and we love Mark Andre Flurry. He stopped sixty three out of sixty five shots, but you know, in a snap of a finger, Mark Andre Flurry can give up three, four, or five goals. Oh, absolutely, and we've seen that as well too. Again, goaltending is such a mental position. Mm-hmm. You know, Mark Andre Flurry goes for one of those poke checks, and he makes it, and the crowd goes crazy, and the team gets all excited. But when he goes for it and he misses it, and the guy's got a wide open net that he can just tap it into. Then it looks equally bad when you miss it. Marc Andre Fleury plays with a lot of emotion. And as great as it is when he makes those saves that are Sports Center highlight and they're on the NHL network and all over everything, and we're talking about save of the year candidates, a lot of times the reason that he has to make those saves is because he got himself out of position. Right, correct. You know, but he's athletic enough to get back in there and still stay with the play and make the save. And they really light the team up. Half the time when he does that flare, when he's catching with the glove, if you watch the replays, the puck is in his glove and he's got it. And then he does the Olay move. It, it fires up the team. Yeah. It fires up the crowd when he's at home. It makes the other team go, damn, I should have had a goal there. And then they see the replay and they go, well, wait, I shot it right into his glove. He has that knack for the flare. He has that theatrical type of thing about him. That's what Robin Leonard doesn't have. That's what most goalies don't have. But when it doesn't work, he can look equally bad. So I agree with you. It's a lot of ebbs and flows. But right now, at this particular moment in time, he's playing with a ton of confidence, and he is playing with that flair. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of me when I used to play first base. 
So yeah. That's what I used to do. That that that, that same that yeah. same thing. The little and, ole. Yeah, all that all the time. Yeah. Be Which little, on a basketball court, the ole defense is never a good n- thing. Never but. a good thing. But <laughs> but you're right. It was like showtime. It was like pretty cool. Showtime. But, but, but then again, when I missed that ball. Oh, then it looks really bad. <laughs> it then it's like, really what are you, you hot dogging it over well, there? There you go. Now, and and then the it. runner's going, get him at second, get him at second. Wait, throw to third. He might try to take two on the back. Yeah. Oh, no, no. You saw yeah. some of my highlights what? back in the day. There it is. Again, I'm going to date myself here again. I'm old and I'm comfortable with it because there's nothing I can do about it. I can't change my year of birth. But Willie Mays in the basket catch. Yeah. If you miss one of those, it looks really, really bad. We didn't see him miss too many, did we? No, I, I don't remember ever seeing him miss one. Yeah, but, but I uh, remember Jerry Morales used to play yeah. outfield for the Chicago Cubs, and he emulated the yeah. basket catch, and I do remember him missing one yeah. once. And I think it was Jack Brickhouse way back right. then, and he was like, you're not Willie Mays. What are you doing? Right. <laughs> so, again, you're old enough. You will uh, – you will – remember this name i'm pretty sure you will when i say it we're talking about first baseman because i used to get called this once in a while when it would go south like that remember willie montanez yeah yeah he would do that and he would have just like flurry yeah have that showcase you know the ball in the dirt pick at the backhand and i used to do that they go oh willie montanez yeah yeah, (laughs) since we're going down memory lane here a little bit you you remember lou brock the base dealer right yes do you know why he took such a short lead off off of first base? Because, you know, a lot of great base runners, they get as much as they can. Exactly. Lou Brock never yeah. did because he didn't want to dive in. He said that he realized that he was fast enough to steal second without a big lead because they were playing the Giants once, and a throw came over to first, and Willie McCovey, big first baseman yes. for the Giants, Love took it. his glove and smacked it down and hit Lou Brock in the head, knocked him out momentarily. His hand fell off the base, and he tagged him, and the ump called him out. He said, I literally got knocked out from a tag. I was on the base, and my hand fell off. And I said, I'm never diving into first again. Willie Mack, he was that way. Willie oh. McCovey, Willie what? Stargell. I mean, first baseman back then, a yeah. lot of, they were big, imposing figures. Yeah, especially yeah, McCovey was great and got a chance to watch him growing up in San Francisco. That was, that was fantastic. All right, so we transition. Uh, we're hockey. Over to baseball, another no-hitter last night, the second straight day. We were talking to Chris Bosio yesterday about Spencer Turnbull, a guy who he knew. Uh, Bosio's last stop after he left the Cubs, he was a pitching coach for the Tigers, and Turnbull was in the training camp uh, for the Tigers. And Bosio said, yeah, the guy's got great stuff, but, I mean, the guy was 9-25. and yeah, great but stuff, we, but we not always great command. Exactly, and uh, but he had it all, you know, two nights ago, and he gets the no-no. So then we think, okay, you know, we talked to Nick Bogdanovich yesterday, and we're talking about, you know, the the odds of, of it's a daily prop, which I really didn't realize that there was. And when he said it, then it started to hit me. I go, oh, I remember hearing this or seeing this. There is a daily prop. Sure enough, why didn't we get on this yesterday? We could have made some money. And didn't he say it was like 30 to 1, but a lot of times now they drop it to 15 to 1 because yeah. there's so many? The sixth no no happened last night with Corey Kluber for the Yankees. I, th- I just think it's amazing that it hit you that there's no hitters. Yeah. You know, it's kind of ironic that way a little bit. But, but no, it, it is. And, it's like, and now you're wondering, is there going to be a prop today? Can there be three in a row? I mean, it's, it, it, it's kind of crazy. But again, the first no hitter, I think, for the Yankees since 1999. Correct. You want to play a little trivia? Do you do you know the you, do you know who the last Cone, one right? was? Cone, right? David Cone. David Cone. Very, very nice. 1999. Now here's something funny. So what is that? Uh, do the math here. That's uh, what 21 seasons, I 21 guess. 21 or 22. 22, so, uh, 22 yeah. years. 21. So it's seasons. the first yeah. one of the 2000s. Exactly. So there you go. So. That's pretty strange for the Yankees because they've been good for the past two decades. But the last no-hitter was David Cohn, 1999. I believe against the Expos, by the way, too. The old Montreal Expos. Johnny Bacabella. That's before your time. But anyway. John Bacabella. Johnny Whoa. Bacabella. Remember uh, him? Yeah. He, was a, yeah. he was a catcher. Yeah. So anyway, I was looking at, at Yankee no-hitters because I said, wow, that's, that's been a long time. Do you realize that the Yankees actually had three no-nos in a four-year span, and if you can give me those two, I'll give you the years if you want to play a little Jeopardy. No, I say. don't. I don't. You don't I, play? I, I'm not gonna. Are no, you good at it? I'm not gonna be able to figure it out. Okay. I, 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 I'm, I'm you know both of these guys very well. Yeah, I, I, I'm picturing the one, uh, the big left-hander who was also a decent hitter. 
a little bit more heavy set. Oh, but I can't you, think you, of his name you, right now. You got him. 1998. Yeah. David Wells. David Wells, yeah. Very good. So you got David Cohn in 99. You got David Wells in uh, 1998. In it's a it, double David. No hitters. Yeah. And you will know this one, too, maybe with a little hint. Uh, 1996 threw a no-hitter as well. And he played for that other New York-based team. I'm, I'm blanking on it. Well, you know the team. You, well, yeah, you, I mean, obviously it's the Mets. Yeah, really, more people resonate his name with the Mets than he went to the Yankees. Doc Gooden. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah Doc, yeah. 96, 99, isn't that weird? Yeah, when Doc had... Gooden and Daryl Strawberry came in kind of at the same time, and right. they were both already in Cooperstown before they ever played their first baseball game, right. and right. a funny thing happened on the way to Cooperstown. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Corey Kluber, nine strikeouts last night against the Texas Rangers. They win the game two to nothing. Only one base on ball. So, you know, I always look at that stat. When people say, oh, we got a no-no going, I immediately go to the base on ball stat, even though I got faked out by that last time, remember? Because well, yeah. there wasn't a base on ball. They go, oh. and it I thought th- wild pitch drop third strike, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go, oh, wow, it's not a perfect game. Wait, how can it not be a perfect game if there's no base on balls, no walks? And, yeah, it was the... You know, oh, third again, strike, wild yeah. pitch. It could also be an error because the That's perfect true. game also has to the, – the field I always is look also at that. Playing, involved I'm in always that, looking so, at that across you know. the you – know, And again, because if you just look at the batter's face, if it's wiped out in a double play or a caught stealing like yep. it was with the wild pitch, yep. it can throw you off and make you think you're seeing something you're not. And it's a the, grand illusion, as Sticks would say. Right. And in that, that game where John Means of the Baltimore Orioles threw that, while we were on the air, he threw that a couple weeks ago – we thought it was a perfect game because he faced the minimum. He faced 27 right. batters yeah. because even though the guy got on because the wild pitch you know, got, got away from the catcher, went to the backstop, he got on first, but then he got thrown out trying to steal second. Yeah, that's what I said. Faced yeah. the minimum, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he was gunned down at second, right. so yeah. So you got to look at all the stats, you know? you know. So we talked about this yesterday, about the names of these no hitters this year by these pitchers household names wade miley joe musgrove john means carlos rodon spencer turnbull and you get a guy like Corey kluber and Corey kluber like okay this guy had a really good career with the indians now what's the breakdown national league to american league there well let's do this uh you got musgrove from the national league and and uh, miley i believe was because he's bounced back and forth was Miley with the Nash? He must have been in the American League. I'll tell you why. Because here's a crazy stat that four of these six no-hitters came against Texas Rangers and the Seattle Mariners. They each got no-hit twice. Seattle got no-hit twice this year. Rangers, no-hit twice this year. So, yeah. And we rode on American League, obviously, with the White Sox. Turnbull, obviously, the... Uh, um, you know, Tigers, American League. So yeah. five of the six have been in the American yeah, League? I, I believe so. Miley. Which is also interesting when you think about it because you would think the American League would be the tougher league to throw a no-hitter because of the DH, yet the stats on this small sample size for this year, anyhow, are showing a little bit different. Right. Yeah. It's it's, it's crazy. It's crazy the way it is. So you've got Corey Kluber, like I said, with, uh, you know, again, good name, big name guy, but has had some arm problems and really struggled with the Yankees. And the Yankees are going, wow, we paid this guy a lot of money to come over here. Really haven't seen the results. But his last couple starts were actually pretty good. But early on in the season, not so much. And then he throws the no-no yesterday. So, yeah, Corey Kluber, that's one guy that you would kind of expect. He's got the stuff. He's got the reputation that, you know, you think, okay, this guy could throw a no-no. But these other guys... I mean, a lot of these guys are, are fourth and fifth starters. And, and that's the weird thing about no-hitters. And it just shows you that if you're in the major leagues on any given day, if you have your best stuff, magic can happen. Even the guys that aren't household mm-hmm. names, that aren't Hall of Famers, that aren't going to be All-Stars. How many of these six no-hitter pitchers are going to be in the All-Star game? <laughs> Maybe none? Maybe none, exactly. Uh, Miley's with Cincinnati, so yes. So it's uh, four, four and two. two. Four and two. Four okay. the American League, two in the National League. All right. So Corey Kluber throws the no-no. you got to be excited. 
about this, right? Corey Kluber's got to be excited. Let's hear from Corey Kluber after he records that final out of this game. Uh, I think it's all kinds of emotions. I mean, I think it's excitement. Uh, you know, probably some relief, too, that it's over with. Uh, but, I mean, Higgy was, was unbelievable back there tonight. I think, uh, you know, kept him off balance pretty much pretty much the entire game. Um, you know, I made, I made a couple pitches that probably weren't where we wanted them, and they they were fortunate, or we were fortunate enough that they hit them right at some people. So I was watching this live on the Yes Network last night, and that was the first question. Uh, okay. And then he got a little bit more uh, subdued as the interview went on. I'm going, this guy just threw a no-no in the lack of emotion that he had here. And if we just turn back the clock 24 hours before and we see Spencer Turnbull, he's like just like a kid in a candy store. You know, he's taking pictures with, with, with the people in the stands, the fans. He's going, I, I can't believe this. I mean, you know, my, my stuff was horrible today. And, and the guys in the, in, the, in the front row are saying, hey, after the first inning, you're going to throw a no-no. And he's going, oh, yeah, right. He goes, I was, I was horrible in my pregame warm-ups. I don't know what happened. But all these guys were joyous. John Means, same thing with the Orioles, taking pictures, smiling, selfies, this and that. Kluber, like this. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. pretty good stuff today. Yeah, Do you think maybe it's because Kluber, although he probably is happy and maybe it'll hit him a little bit later, maybe it didn't really dawn on him yet what he had done, or maybe it's the fact that, like you said, he hasn't been having the season that he wants to, and he figures that every time I go out there, I should have a good performance. And, yeah, it's nice that I finally did it. He did do one thing that I don't know if you hear pitchers do often enough. It seems like he used to back in the old days when they'd get no hitters when he said that his catcher called a great game. Yes. Because a lot of times when you look at no hitters, I remember when they used to do stats, and I haven't looked at this kind of stuff in quite a while, where they'll show catchers that have caught the most no hitters or something like that because – a lot of times the pitchers will take over and they're just going to do what they're going to do. But if it's a pitcher that believes in the guy behind the plate with them and you listen to him, he's got a feel for the game and the batters in the box and everything. Sometimes a good catcher can get you a no hitter on a day that maybe you wouldn't have had one. Oh no, that's true. Yeah. We've talked to Randy Lurch and Chris Bosio. They've backed that's that thought up uh, completely. So, yeah, Kluber yesterday, you know, again, he goes the distance. He only has one walk, nine strikeouts. Uh, Before that, his next best outing was against the Tigers back on May the 2nd where he went eight innings and threw uh, a two-hitter through eight, struck out ten with only one walk. But aside from those two outings, yeah, it really hasn't been How many pitches is he throwing in these games? You know. Do you uh, know that? uh, I, I can look that up. I could see that. Because that's one of the things. Because And, and again, when we talked to Basio yesterday, one of the things that kind of popped in my mind, because we know that sometimes it's almost like the manager's over there going, well, I'm not taking him out because he's throwing a no-hitter. But, boy, if he gives up a hit or a walk or something, you know, I might just take him out, especially if it's in a close game. Are we going to see a pitcher? And I know that there's been combined no-hitters before, but it's usually when somebody goes out in the third or fourth or whatever, yeah. something kind of strange. Do you foresee a day when somebody is taken out of a game in the seventh or eighth or something like that, throwing a no hitter just because the manager's like Dave Roberts? You know, we've seen him do it. Yeah, I mean it's it's it, it's very rare, but it's like could you, we we saw Snell go off last year getting taken out for Tampa Bay in a game. Could you imagine a pitcher on the verge of a no-hitter getting taken out and something like that? Oh, I know. I know. So uh, Kluber threw 101 pitches yesterday. Okay, so so that, with nine strikeouts yeah. and a no-hitter, yeah. that's pretty economical. It, it is. And I think he threw 71 pitches in that game, the Detroit I was talking about, where he went eight innings. And, and had it, 10 strikeouts, no. so that's amazing. Yeah, so no, maybe not in that game. But here's Zach Greinke went eight innings against the A's the other night, right? And he only threw 89 pitches. And Dusty said we probably could have thrown him out there in the ninth. He goes, but we got everything we want out of him. They were ahead like eight to one. Right. But you know, Granke was very economical. Eight innings, uh, eighty-nine pitches. That's nothing that you see. And then on the contrary, I think he was going against Frankie Montez, who had eighty pitches in the fourth inning. <laughs> well, and, and that's the weird thing. When you said he had nine strikeouts in the no hitter, I was thinking he's got to be up around 120, yeah. 100, and maybe even 30. Yeah. So, but 101 pitches with nine strikeouts in a no hitter, yeah. that's 
That's pretty rare. Because John Means, we saw that. He was like, a, I think, 130, 133 yeah. pitches. He had that with the 10 and they, and they said that some of Nolan Ryan's games when they were yeah. doing pitch counts, yeah. his pitch counts might have been up around 200. So in Kluber's <laughs> no-hitter yesterday, the 101 pitches he threw, this is amazing. 71 of those were strikes. Well, that'd have to be <laughs> if, if he's striking people out and yeah. he's still only throwing that yeah. many. He, 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 I, I would – like if I were to rewatch that game – I'd be curious to see, did he have a beneficial strike zone or was he just that close all the time and he was just painting the corners all over the place? Or were guys helping him out swinging at yeah. bad pitches? And, and then uh, you tend to think. Which we see, the free especially swingers. in this day and age. Exactly. When I you, mean, it's it, there's a reason that those teams that you said have been hit, no hit multiple times get no hit well, those, those because teams, they don't have the discipline. Those teams are, are hitting around 220 as a team. And we see a lot of this. And you said the A's are one of them, right? A's are like batting 240. Which is really interesting because remember, and and I know it's different eras, but it wasn't that long ago. One of the things that the A's prided themselves on was that when guys came up through their minor league system, they all went deep in counts. You know, they were not afraid to take pitches, foul balls off and that. They were basically taught the art of hitting the foul ball and making pitchers throw more. It, it sounds like it's completely different now with that organization, or at least the guys that are up in their majors right now. And you know, Kluber has had to reinvent himself. You know, after the injury and everything, his fastest uh, fastball yesterday was ninety-two, which is below average, believe it or not. It's in, around in Greg like Maddox area. I, yeah. I remember when Greg Maddox, because Greg Maddox would be economical throwing pitches because he said he pitched to contact. Yeah. He didn't want to throw a ton of pitches, and he said whenever he got in trouble. Or guys today think, i got to ramp it up and throw it 105 miles an hour. He'd say he would always slow down and get more movement. Right. Yeah, so a lot of cutters, uh, a lot of change-ups and curveballs uh, from, from Kluber. And like I said, in that kind of uh, style that Zach Greinke throws, you know, we've, you mentioned you know, Greg Maddox. There are, there are several pitchers that have success you know, with that. Kyle Hendricks, another guy uh, with the Cubs. And, again, a lot of times with those guys, you know, if, if you get guys that can hit the off-speed stuff – or not fastball hitting teams, they you know they 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 can light up you know guys like that. But if you're not used to that, then yeah, it's going to be a long day for you. And it was a long day yesterday it again al- for the Texas Rangers. It also keeps your defense involved in the game too when when they are getting some action and they're playing well, and you show that you have the trust in them behind you. So mm-hmm. you know because sometimes you see you know that's why a lot of guys you know Greg Maddox again I'll use his name a, a second time here because because he would throw all the time he didn't take forever between pitches or whatever. Mm-hmm. Your defensive players like that kind of stuff because oh, yeah. they're on their toes. The guys that's walking around all the time and spitting and scratching himself and doing all this other stuff, those are, that's when you get errors and other things out there because the defense is like, would you throw the damn ball already? Mm-hmm. So three games in process uh, in progress right now. Uh, no no-hitters. Uh, Cubs uh, leading uh, – actually, they just defeated the Nationals 5-2. to two. Astros leading the A's in Oakland today, five to two, bottom of the fifth inning there, and the Angels leading the Twins four to one. So daytime baseball today, and we already have three finals earlier today. Tampa Bay blasted the Orioles ten to one. How about this one? Giants over the Reds nineteen to four, and uh, and uh, Yankees two nothing again. Are you kidding me? That's a final. Little getaway Thursday action going wow. on here. Uh, the same score. Just I, I had to do a double take. I go, well, that was the Kluber score from last night, two nothing. They had a day game again today. So let's see. Texas has uh, got the big Z in the last eighteen at bats. How's that? Last eighteen innings, Texas has put up the big Z. Well, I'm not two to a nothing. Fan, two to so nothing. I'm, I'm fine with it. But <laughs> and any action for you? You get any winners there? Make, yeah. make you feel happier. Since you were a little bit hangry before, are you? Well, the, the Astros you know, are ahead five to two, so yeah, I'm okay. There you go. See, me and his money. Not yet. It's only the fifth inning, but uh, the the man got his money last night. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Hey, look at we got we got the Astros on uh, and the Athletics on the on the big screen here. Way to go, Numbchuck. All right. <laughs> the big little screen. Yeah, exactly. The big seven footer is going to join us next. This is Bill Cartwright of the University of San Francisco Dons. You're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. He does not know Westerns, but he does know his sports. I will be there to get him right as much as possible. The shot clock at 7. 
James, two defenders on him to Caldwell Pope inside. He's tied up by Green. Throws it back up top. James puts up the three. Oh, it's gone. LeBron James from downtown as the shot clock expires. A desperation heave, and the Lakers are up three. And that was it. That was the final score, 103-100. The LeBron James fadeaway three Play broken down. Uh, I'll just throw one up. And the look that Steph Curry gave him, and he gave Steph Curry back, uh, pretty pretty hilarious. But LeBron James hits the game winner, and the Lakers win 103-100 last night, and the Lakers get the seventh seed in the NBA play-in tournament. And even after the game, was still claiming that he couldn't even see the basket. He saw three of them, so he just threw it at the middle one. Oh, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, he said that in the post-game interview, and then he went to the press conference and kept that thing still alive. And I loved what, when, he, in, when he said that to Steph after they embraced after the game, and Steph just gave him like the hand where you go, like, come on, man. Please, don't use that. It just amazes me for a guy that is what he is, has accomplished what he is, that you he still has to flop, and he still has to complain. And he looked like a soccer player last night, a soccer player that went down. And again, Draymond Green, hands up, contact, and we know the big seven-footer is going to tell us, I mean, that these things were just regular occurrences on a nightly basis in his day of the NBA. And what do we see again last night with LeBron James, like a soccer player, like he got shot, like he got injured. He, we had to stop everything while they put some Visine in his eyes so he could go oh, shoot some free throws. Oh, he laid on the court forever, oh, went over geez. in the chair. They put in the, He was trying to buy the flagrant so much. At least, I got to say, I was so glad they didn't call the flagrant. Yes, yes. And... and the announcers thought, well, they're probably going to call it. And it's not, to, but they're probably going right. to say, it's to, a playoff foul. And you go to Steve Javi, and Steve Javi says, well, I hear what you guys are saying, but it's no, that's really not a flagrant foul. So, I don't know. So, there it is. The, the big seven-footer, the guy that knows something about post-play, playoff games, a little physical play as well. Big Bill Cartwright, give us your thoughts on this. Well, for one thing, you know, you should really uh, have enjoyed that game. It was it was it was a great game. It was a great game, uh, entertaining game, no doubt. It, it it wasn't a great technical game because um, you know it was a slow game. It was really the Lakers style of game, uh, as indicated by the score. Just being able to score a hundred and three points a game, three points uh, versus a hundred. Uh, a lot of turnovers, um, some spectacular plays, but uh, you can't tell me that everybody thought the Lakers were going to win that game. Now, for you, you had high hopes because you are the ultimate uh, Steph Curry fan, and uh, you know rightly so. The guy's a great player, so you're a huge fan. But what I don't get is all the LeBron hate. Uh, because the guy did not play well. The Lakers did not play well. And they still won the game. And why did they win the game? Because ultimately, this is not LeBron versus Steph. It's the Lakers versus Golden State. Lakers have a better team. So ultimately, uh, LeBron, who plays not very well for him, he's such a great player. He still had a triple-double. Um, he was their second leading scorer, um, and um, they just they, they just won the entire second half. So um, great game, uh, just what we thought was going to happen. Probably just what should happen because the you know and, and, and look, give credit to Golden State. Golden State finished the year well. Um, they're, they're a fun team to watch. Uh, they're a big time scoring game. Uh, they probably have the best shooter on the planet, um, but they don't have the better team. So um, I thought it was great. I thought it was great entertainment. I didn't think it was great basketball. I probably neither did you, but uh, 
but it gave us great entertainment. No, and it wasn't great basketball. And I thought, you know, the the lack of uh, Lakers offense and the turnovers it really led to Golden State getting out to that thirteen point halftime lead, and they pushed that up even farther in the in the second half. But yeah, it was like when I was watching the the first half of this game, I'm going, like, "Wow, uh, the Lakers are letting them hang around." And but Golden State played some very good defense, and we know these are two of the better defensive teams in the NBA as well, too. And, you know, Steph Curry really didn't do much, especially in that first quarter. And, uh, you know, again, it's one of these things where, you know, Steph ended up with 37. And it's funny, from the the betting aspect, and we talked about this yesterday, you know, there's there's props on all of these games. (laughs) Steph Curry's under over of total points was 36 and a half yesterday. And a lot of people, most people were saying, well, let's bet the under here on Steph Curry because he had only averaged 23 against the Lakers. And I'm watching this game and seeing how it's unfolded. I'm going, well, it looks like an under, but Steph's going to catch fire. And he did. And he finally went over the total with, uh, with 37. But, Bill, I think, you know, for me, looking at this game, you're right. It wasn't aesthetically pleasing uh, because of the turnovers and everything, but it was wildly entertaining. And the Warriors had their opportunity, and the Warriors really let this game get away. And I'm not sure... You know, conventional wisdom says, okay, the Lakers are better than the Warriors. The Lakers, people want to say they're better than everybody. But when we really break this down, the Lakers are a number seven seed. They're just slightly better than the Warriors. And when we look at these lineups, we always talk about you got Steph Curry and the Warriors, you got Draymond Green, and then there's a big drop off. And then you got Wiggins, and Wiggins had a good game last night. He had 21, but then he disappeared. And if he does anything in the fourth quarter, the Warriors probably win that game going away. But then when we look at the Lakers, uh, that lineup and that roster, once we get past uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, we got to go to Schroeder. And then where are we going after that? I mean, Caldwell Pope and some of these other guys. This isn't a great roster. And I don't think either one of these rosters are very good. Well, no, for one thing, the Warriors, uh, when you get away from the starters, they those are all young guys. And Steve Kerr played uh, eight guys yesterday, probably just for that reason. Uh, the Lakers did play ten guys, played a little more of a normal rotation. Uh, you know, Kuzman, I think, is a good player. And Andre uh, Drummond's good, too. I love Andre Drummond, but again, he should probably yeah, get more yeah. minutes. No, he's, a, he's a big-time no, guy. No. Yeah, so you know, so those guys, those guys are in a whole. They are are better when they're healthy, when they're playing. You know, the thing is with the Lakers, as with a lot of teams this year, and we've talked about this, the fact that of why teams like Phoenix and teams like Utah won the West, and it was because these guys were healthy throughout the course of the year. The Lakers were at the bottom of that. So, you know, they had guys out all the time. And, you know, you're not going to have a cohesive team like that. Uh, and it doesn't matter how good they are. And they are good. They're a really good team. They've got great players. They've got Hall of Fame players. But you need time together. You need to be able to heal and and have some cohesiveness on, on the floor. So, um, you know, it was, like I said, it was a great game. Uh, just from the entertainment point of view, uh, like I said, the Warriors should be getting a lot of credit. They have a lot of juice going into the game. Uh, the Lakers, I, I think, are just limping in. I don't, I don't think they've. I don't think that we, if we had to analyze their team this year, um, we have to say, you know, they've underachieved because of the fact that uh, they haven't had their their players. So. But uh, when it comes down to it, uh, better team won, and now we're off. And I think what's going to be really interesting is the Warriors' next game against Memphis because now they're they're not they're coming into young guys that are really hungry who haven't been there, and that's going to be a really fun game to watch tomorrow. So what's what's your prediction uh, with that game? I think the Warriors win just from the experience factor alone. And we just saw the Warriors beat Memphis without Steph Curry. Uh, you know, they played a couple times last week. And I just, 
again, I, I think that Memphis is, is pretty limited. And I think, again, you know, Warriors, the Warriors are going to be in the playoffs. So they'll come in as a number eight seed, and that's great for basketball fans. It's great for the NBA because, again, you're going to get a, at least a chance to see Steph Curry for four or five games. And I know that executives, uh, you know, would love to see uh, – network executives would like to see it for even even longer. So, yeah, I think they have enough – because this, this team, as young as they are, to me, I, I'm surprised, and I've said this before, that they ended the regular season 39-33. and 33. I expected this team to be 500 at best or below 500. So for this team with this roster uh, that the Warriors have to be six games over 500, uh, pretty impressive. And as you know, they have played well as of late. So I think they'll, they'll carry this momentum in, and uh, I think they'll, they'll take care of business uh, tomorrow night against the Grizz. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be really interesting. Like I said, that's that's a young team. That's an excitable team. That team can throw the ball all over the gym. Um, but uh, but they do have, uh, you know, but, um, Moran's a big-time scorer. Um, what's that other kid? Miles Lucius, whatever that kid's name is. He's pretty damn good. Right, the interior yeah, they got the the Brooks kid is good. I mean, they've got they've got some guys that can score. So I, I think it's going to be really interesting. And look, and it's different. And it's just what you talk, we talked about before. It's one game, one game in or out. So that's why I think it's a little bit different. It's a different kind of pressure. Um, it's 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 win it's win or go home. So I I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And did that game. Last night, take a little juice out of Golden State. Takes a little fire out of them. Could be. Warriors will be playing at home, though, so that's that's a good sign. Didn't have to travel too far. Big Bill Cartwright yeah. joins us and uh, talk a little NBA play-in tournament. Yeah, when it comes to uh, let let's assume that Golden State does win tomorrow. How do you see them matching up with Utah, who was the number one seed there, and? Do the Lakers have a legitimate shot of maybe knocking off Phoenix because of their back talent and the Hall of Famers and that, and if they get a little bit healthier? Because Phoenix has had a magical season up to this point, but, uh, you know, I I have a feeling a lot of people are still going to think the Lakers have a shot just because of LeBron and the fact that they're the Lakers. Well, you can't tell me that, and I'll ask you guys then, who's going to be the favorite in that game? Lakers are Lakers or Phoenix. I think you. I think you answer that question. Well, yeah, the Lakers are the favorite. They already are the favorite. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. So, so Vegas is already saying that they're that they're uh, they have the best team when they're healthy. So, and I think that that plays a big part of it. Are they are they going to be be healthy um, enough to win that game? Because look. Uh, Phoenix had a great year. Phoenix had great. They were consistent. They stayed healthy for the most part. They played really solid basketball, and, and they really earned. You know, they had their coach of the year, Monty Williams. Uh, they, they they did a great job. But are they the better team when when they're healthy? When they're at full strength? And and I think that Vegas says Lakers are, and I think they may be right. Well, you got to remember too. I mean, part part of the reason why uh, you know when you're setting odds, it, it it isn't just the best team. The bookmakers are trying to figure out, okay, where is the where are the betting dollars going to go? Where are they coming from? And the Lakers are a huge public team. People love betting on LeBron James. They love betting on the Lakers. So that's always going to be skewed in the individual games. When maybe the Lakers should be maybe a two or a three point favorite. They're usually a five or a six point favorite because of that. So knowing that you're going to get all of that action, all that money coming in because people like to bet them uh, is skewed a little bit. And when you when you really look at it, you know, uh, can you make the argument that Phoenix could beat the Lakers? You know, maybe, but from a Vegas perspective, it's always going to be screwed uh, skewed to popularity as well. Too, you got to remember that. Well, I, I think it's going to come down to this. Look, if the if the Lakers are playing. Let's say they're playing even, because you know the Lakers played didn't play very well last night. Uh, out of sync, throwing the ball away. I think they ended up with 18 turnovers. I think the Warriors were like 20 plus turnovers in the game. So on on an even field, you're you're taking the Lakers. If, if the Lakers are even close to being healthy, you're taking the Lakers. And why is that? Because they're 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 big. 
They uh, their 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 guard plays pretty good. Their defense is pretty solid. They're going to control the tempo. They're not going to push it up or down unless they get an opportunity to run. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be – I think that if it's a situation where uh, Phoenix is able to push the ball off the floor and attack, I think it's going to be a different situation. But, uh, um, you know, I think in a equal situation where the, the Lakers are semi-healthy, I think you're taking the Lakers so, regardless. So right now uh, the series price may be a little bit lower than people were thinking. The Lakers are minus 150, so they lay $1.50 to win a dollar on this. And in game one, the Phoenix Suns are actually a three-point favorite in this game as well too. So what do you think, Bill? You might, you might, you might, be, you might be coming to Vegas, bet the underdog there? No, you know, I have nothing to do with Vegas. That's all you. <laughs> I, I, uh, it's, it's, just, it's just about uh, uh, basketball and about the best team. So, um, uh, Lakers should win. Uh, and it's, it's, their, it's their series to lose. So, regardless of, of, of what happens. I mean, because, look, this has been a funky year, and everybody knows that. So it's a funky year in college, a funky year in the NBA. We're not back to normal. And uh, they're doing what they feel is necessary to get the guys ready for this time of the year. So this is it. Uh, guys are going to play now. So whether they're uh, 70%, 80%, whether they can see the rim or not, doesn't matter. Right now you play. So I think in that situation, um, you know, with, with, with Phoenix, I, I, think that, uh, I think that they should win that, uh, that series. So let's go back to when we opened this and we were talking about the flagrant foul, whether it was a flagrant foul or not. And, of course, it wasn't uh, with Draymond Green and LeBron James. When you're watching this thing unfold and you're hearing the commentary about, well, that should be a flagrant, but maybe it shouldn't be, that sort of thing, what are your thoughts? Again, as I said you know, to you when you came on, it's like you, this, it's, it's a totally different game from a physical perspective and the way referees call these things now compared to when you played? Well, it's the same thing in college. And look, this has been going on all year to where if somebody gets hit, if somebody goes down, uh, the chances of a flagrant foul being called are pretty good. And I don't know how you attack the basket hard and, there's, and you run into anybody at all that there's not going to be a flagrant foul, so it's uh, I'm I'm not in favor of that. Um, uh, I don't know what you do about it. It's it's just something that you know. I hope the NBA kind of gets away from um, because you do have some guys slopping, and uh, um, most guys know how to take care of themselves if they get hit. If they if in fact they do get hit, and also. Um, as you're watching the game, you know a flagrant foul when you see it. You see it real, real time. You're like, oh, that's going to be a flagrant foul. You know that. I, I don't need a review to see what happened uh, if a guy accidentally gets hit. So um, it's just what's going on right now. It's, it's, it's horrible to watch. Um, you know, it's... Um, it's almost an unfair advantage. Um, and, and I should say this, too, um, to my point, is that if there's a smaller guy going to the basket and a big guy hits him, the little guy goes down, that's going to be a flagrant every single time. Conversely, now you should appreciate this, or I will, if LeBron goes down because he's built like a truck, and goes down and lands on the ground, there's a chance that it may not be. So that part is interesting, too, is that this thing going on right now, if you're a little guy in the league or you're slight, if you get bumped, it's, it's a foul or maybe a flagrant. So uh, I, I don't appreciate that either to where, uh, to where it used to be. If you, if you got hit, you got bumped, you played through it. It's just part of basketball. It used to be basically assumed, at least from a lot of the fans in the media, that in the playoffs it was a little bit rougher and the referees let them get away with more. Do you think that still occurs, or did it ever really occur? 
I think that's individual with the referees who are on the game. Some guys let it go a little more if there's some bumping going on. Uh, because that's that's how you play. That should be how it is anyway. If there's some bumping going on, some uh and and nobody's really gained an advantage, uh, you you let it play. Look, when you watch a game, you see if there's a foul. You see it. It's right there. It's right in front of you. It's obvious. If you see something happen and you're like, was that a foul? Then it probably wasn't a foul. You know, fouls on the court is not, it's, it's, it's really obvious unless the guy's really tricky and grabbing his shirt or spinning them or something like that. Um, I would just like to see, see it get back to that. Uh, the NBA has turned into a really finesse league where it's, uh, they, they don't want contact. They want free flow. Uh, they want the action. They don't want guys to get bumped or grabbed or held at all. And, um, you know, you've, you've got to be able to do that a little bit. If, if not, you can't guard them. These guys are too good. They're too big. They're too athletic. So um, I think that everybody would have an appreciation for it. If you can get back to some kind of contact, not a lot, position contact, where the, you can have a collision and not be this flagrant foul thing. All right, my man. Uh, we'll watch some basketball tonight. We've got uh, the Pacers taking on the Wizards tonight. Three and a half is the number there, and the same line for tomorrow night, Memphis and Golden State. So we'll look uh, forward to as we come to the conclusion here of this play-in tournament, and then we can uh, get to the regular format <laughs> you know, coming up this weekend. So there we go. Who do you got tonight? I'm leaning towards Washington. What about you? I don't think we have two bad performances from Westbrook uh, in a row, even though I'm not a huge fan of him. But, you know, Bradley Beal, we know he's banged up a little bit. But I think that uh, those guards have enough to carry over the Pacers. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you what, just to be difficult for you, I'll go, I'll go with the Pacers. Of course you will. And then tomorrow you're going with Memphis just to be difficult too? Is that what you're doing? Yes, yes, you know me. Okay, good. All right, so that's, that'd be two steak dinners, please. Thank you very much. There you go. <laughs> ring, ring, ring it up. There it is. <laughs> froggies can we get to froggies please there you go all right man we will talk to you later enjoy your hoop and uh, we'll talk to you next week all right guys Adios. there he is big bill cartwright uh the former chicago bull the big man who had so many of those tussles down in the paint no flagrant fouls come on there's no such thing back in those days no, pretty much. I mean, uh, you know, if you didn't clothesline somebody and there wasn't blood on the court, um, nobody was looking at fla- flagrant foul. Sometimes you might not even get the foul call. And, you know, um, we, we, we talked about this with him before, you know, about his throat. He got he got that elbow in the throat, which, which caused surgery for him in, in his voice. Multiple uh, surgeries. Multiple right? surgeries, yeah. exactly. And he's like, hey, I'm still looking for that guy, you know, because there, there wasn't that type of video that you can go back and, and just – diagnose it and this and that. He goes, I'm, I'm still looking for that guy, man. He he, he got me good. But, uh, yeah. I wonder what your uh, buddy, the coach of the uh, Aces, would think about if that was a flagrant foul last night or not. Mr. Lambeer. And we can talk to him. We'll be talking to him a little <laughs> bit later today. <laughs> All right. Uh, we come back next hour. Scott Spritzer is going to join us. We'll talk uh, VGK, more NBA tournament uh, news with him, and then RVD, Rob Van Dam in the house. Don't you dare go anywhere.